Today's episode is sponsored by 460 Nature Reserve, a brand with a purpose. If posed with fruit, 460 would be in the organic section. It's nutrition, not just food. Hey, here we are, LITC podcast, and we have Rachel on the co seat. Did I pronounce it right? Oh, Nicosi, you did. Onikosi. Yes, thank you. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you I'm doing? good, thank you. It's How pleasure, are you? I'm good. It's a pleasure to have you here. All right, so I don't know if you've seen our podcast, but um, the way we like to start is by looking at a piece of art, and that's the art that we have. To be fair, we've been using this art for quite some time, but we just like to ask people, what do you think about that when you see that? What does that say to you? What do I think of it? It says to me, gosh. It's like there's a combination of things going on. Yeah. You know, one look could be like, you know, a woman dancing. Um, another could be some sort of animal on, at the top. It's interesting. I can't make out what it is, but it's a combination of stuff. Might see some red eyes, maybe. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot going on. Um, you could study that for hours, couldn't you? Yeah. Try and decipher yeah. what it means, definitely. But nice picture. What do, you, what do you see when you... You know what? When I'm looking at it now, because sometimes I'll just flow with this and just say, oh, whatever, and I'll hear what you've got to say. Yeah. But I'm seeing, like, loads of different heads and faces. So, like, I, so like you see where it's got the red eye there on the left? Yeah. I can, so the black part of that, I can see a head there. Those two dot, dotted eyes over there, that's another face to me. Yeah. And there's two faces up there. I can see, like, a cat. Yeah. So I can just see loads of different faces. You said you could just look at this for hours and create. Absolutely. And one thing which is really interesting is that's obviously, you know, in terms of perception, mm. people see different things at different mm-hmm. times. Um, so you seeing different things is yeah. probably because you're yeah. in a different space at the yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's interesting to be fair when you say that. Because yeah. I think, that, yeah, the space that you're in would, would determine what you see. So that's quite interesting. Mm. So, yeah. So that's enough about the art and it's about you. That's why we're here today. So we want to know a little bit about Rachel and your journey. So the way we like to start is going back to the beginning. So where you grew up, siblings, um, origin, all of that good stuff. So we just want to know a little bit about you and your journey and what's got you to where you are now. Okay. So uh, it starts off, I guess, in 1970-something when I was born. I like that. Um, <laughs> Late 70s, maybe. But yeah, so I was born in, um, I believe I was born in Mother's Square, that's a, a Mother's Hospital in Clapton. Um, at the time, my parents would have been living in a manor house. Mm. So it's an, an estate called Anwar Court Estate. Mm. And that's where we grew up. And that's where our childhood memories were. That's where we kind of learnt the ropes. And Who's we? We, me, my siblings. So I have uh, five, four siblings. Uh, my older brother, Yomi. Then my older sister, Florence. Myself, younger Stephen and younger Vicky. So in total, it's five of us yeah. in the household. Nigerian parentage. Yeah. Um, so mum and dad and the five. Absolutely. The five of you, yeah. All of us in, in, in one house. It was an interesting time growing up because we were all very, um, although there's similarities, there's also differences. Um, mm. But when we come together as one, it's kind of a beautiful thing because we kind of get, understand each other. Yeah. Um, if, if, if I think about my siblings, and how they might have viewed me when I was growing up, I guess I would have been a bit of the troublesome one. I was you? To some extent. I can imagine that would be their view. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Why is that then? Uh, 
troublesome, cheeky, a bit naughty, yeah, yeah. a bit in your face, a bit a bit too forward well, or a lot too siblings, forward. So um, I wouldn't say it's just me, yeah, but I, I think if, if you were to ask yeah. the question, you know, what was yeah. Rachel like as yeah. a child? It would yeah. be she was really forward, very feisty, very yeah. feisty, yeah. you know, kind of um, about her business and was ready for anybody at any stage yeah, <laughs> in her life. Yeah. So, um, so it starts there. And then I went to a primary school. What, what was your, like, you said you Nigerian parents. Were they strict parents? What were they like? Growing I up? don't think they were strict. No. They might have thought they were strict. I don't think they were strict. That's... I think they tried to be uh, strong disciplinarians. Uh, but that's a word, isn't it? Yeah. But I don't think. Um, no. Didn't resonate like, like that for me. You know, yeah. I, was a, I was a naughty child, got in trouble a lot. But it didn't stop me from being naughty. Yeah. You know why? Because I, I like growing up in South London, one of the things that I always saw was like Afri- well, West African parents. But to my, what my perception was they're strict. Like in terms of my mum, she was quite strict. All my peers that were, had West African parents, their parents were quite strict. As opposed to like, I'd say like my West Indian counterparts or like my, my English friends. It wasn't really like that. Right, so can, uh, we digress to continue. You were saying, so started primary school? Primary school went to Woodbury Down. Um, that was in um, Manor House. I went to the same primary school as, you know, Freema Adjaman, the actor, actress. Who? Freema Adjaman, she's an actress. Doctor Who? Uh, she was the Martha in Doctor Who, the black one. Uh, fair skin woman. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 so I went to the same school as her. Yeah. She also did a few other, Law and Order, yeah. I think, etc. Yeah. Um, anybody else? That, anybody famous? Um, a few people actually. You went there. That's enough. I went that's there. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> that's enough. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward, went to Cardinal Pole. I was a school in Hackney, Roman Catholic school in Homerton. What sort of school? Good school. It was a. It was a okay school. It was a mixture, I, I guess, in terms of academic levels of of the um, pupils. But mm. I was, you know, in a top yeah. quartile yeah, well, okay, <laughs> of okay. the academic quarter. Yeah. Was it a mixed school? It was mixed. School? Yeah. What do you think? Because I was having this conversation with my friend the other day. What do you think about mixed schools as opposed to like single set schools? I went to a mixed school. I would have preferred that. Um, I do like male company and I get on with men a lot. So it would have been a, it just would have been an experience that you um, would have undergone and not known what it's like. Uh, But if someone said to me, if you went back to your childhood, would you want to go to an all-girls school? Absolutely not. I quite enjoyed the male energy and the interaction between us. You know what? This is for my own personal reason I'm asking you this question, because my daughter, like, literally, she's starting secondary school, Mm. like, next year. Mm. And I'm like, nah, she needs to go to an all-girls school. And then, obviously, the mum's like... For what purpose? Why? I don't know. I'm just that guy, and I think I'm a bit... I don't know. I just... Uh, what, what, my what, daughter, you know what the purpose is. I think you know what No, the, I don't. Uh, That's what I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know. I just... Yeah, I just don't want her to be having any little boyfriends or anything like that. Fine, but you can have a boyfriend outside of school. I mean... Yeah, it, I know, but it just limits it. Like, Well, that's what you think. We, yeah, you know, we've all been kids... That. And kids mix and they blend. And yeah, I think this idea, blend, but... idea that parents think that, oh, if they don't go to a mixed school, if my daughters don't go to a mixed school, therefore they're not going to have boyfriends. No, I that's, don't think that. that that's not going to happen. I don't think that. <laughs> I think the percentage is higher. I think if you're in school, like, Dee, am I wrong? Like, you're in school, you're a boy. Everyone's got hormones flying about. Like, women, um, girls have, boys have. You're in school every day. So I think it's much easier for you to get into that relationship as opposed to, oh, I see this boy on my bus. 
Like, it's just different. Like, I don't know. I, I, I disagree. Yeah. Um, I think you're saying the, the exposure to men, the ability to get with a guy, but she could be seeing her next door neighbour and you don't no, know. I mean, it is what it is, isn't it, though? It is what it is, and that's yeah. the reality. Yeah. And I get you, it's about protecting your, your daughter, yeah. but the only way you can protect your daughter is by educating your daughter and empowering that. your daughter. So, so, that's how you do it. So what you're saying, I have to make her listen to this podcast so she can It's hear about this. just edu- educating and empowering yeah. so they can make better decisions for themselves, isn't it? Yeah. As opposed to trying to think that you can somehow how have your children in society but I'm, keep them I'm away from that. things not, that may naturally happen you can't yeah. you can't especially with social media and the internet and all of this sort of stuff yeah. like in general and I think what you're saying is about empowering them but for me as a parent also I do it's hard isn't it because what you're basically saying mm. I want to maybe limit the exposure or limit yeah. those opportunities but you can't okay. like yeah. what you're saying I know what you're saying is right of course, but yeah. you know, I still think like that I'm just like oh yeah. man this is going to be can drama. I give you an example I yeah, went to a mixed school uh, so at the age of maybe 13, 14 you've been in school with these guys and these girls for two or three years guys would then come and knock for me at my house and my dad would say oh hi she's coming so yeah. my dad didn't have that paranoia because he knew his daughter yeah. he knew what he the values he instilled in me yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, so we yeah. knew they were my friends. Yeah. Uh, nothing more than that. And um, if anything did transpire, then that was that's a natural uh, evolution between yeah. a man and a woman, and you know, having a teenage yeah. boyfriend. Yeah. It is what it is, and and I don't think that dad should be afraid of that. I think what you should be afraid of no, is what, what you should be. What you should be. Let me let me get a point. Well, what you should be afraid of is if your uh, daughter was somehow acting in a promiscuous way. That's one. Or two, if she was now attracting men who were trying to harm her. Mm. That's the issue, isn't it? That should mm. be the issue. Having friend, males as friends is, is a good thing because you can grow with them and then that could eventually become a boyfriend and then a husband. And it could be a great kind of, uh, you know... You know, story, can't yeah, it? We've, we've, you know, because yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah, 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 we'll you know, you have kids and they grow up that. and they find love. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's hope that's a long time down, <laughs> a long time down the path. Yeah, why, why? But just quickly, I know oh, this is oh, about you. I know this is not, this is about me, but I, I just, I don't have children. Um, and I can only use my dad as an, as an example. He just wasn't the kind of man that didn't want his daughters to have male friends. He didn't, he, he, he didn't mind. It was just like, you know, you're yeah. going to get on your, this is life. You're going to mix with people. Yeah, I think, you, you know, know what, if I'm being honest, it's your, my, for me, if I'm going to be completely honest, it's probably mm. my own. My own past. Your own past, it absolutely. Own past. And I'm so glad you admit it. How you might have had yeah, exactly yeah, the animal that I've yes, been. Yes, yes, yes. But not all men yeah. are like that. Yeah, I know, but I am. That's no, not what I have been. I'm not like that anymore. Mm. But I'm saying, so I suppose it's that insecurity and those thoughts yeah. and thinking, oh, these guys are like me or whatnot. And I know, of yeah. course, not everyone is the same. So I think that's where it really comes from, to be yeah. honest. And I think it's really nice, though, because... Uh, a lot of men that I knew in the past, when they did start having children, particularly daughters, some of their values towards women changed 100%. because they now have their own princess. Hundred percent. And they think about how they treat other people's princesses, 100%. and they don't want it to be a repeat. So I understand that. I that but then it's, it's about having to realise that not every young man goes through a traumatic time. Uh, therefore mm. projects that on women that yeah. doesn't always happen 100% because I had this conversation the other day and I remember even talking to an ex and saying it must be really boring for you lots of women and she goes what do you mean I goes that you're out in a club or you're out and you just got this guy after that guy trying to on with you like mm. it must get really jarring like do you know what I mean and I, and I think about how I used to be even mm. as a young young man like I don't know 
or on the road, like, oi, 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 mm. all of that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think... It's no quite insulting, talk- actually. It is, because no one's talking to my daughter. I don't want anyone talking to my daughter like that. Yeah. So then when I thought about that, and I thought, nah, you can't mm. be like that. Mm. But I know I definitely used to be that guy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's only, I feel, I believe, as I had a daughter, and probably as I got closer in my own faith, mm. that I realised... That's just so dead. That's right, that's right. I I think, you know, one of the things that could have easily happened, you know, in maybe the time that we went to school is, uh, you know, we had uh, different um, uh, topic, different subjects, Mm. and there was religious education, but it wasn't a a kind of a a module or a a subject about behaviour, values, how to Mm. treat your fellow human being, you know, how to, for for men, how to treat women, women how to treat men. There wasn't that. That could have really helped change uh, some behaviours, you know, because who teaches a boy how to respond to a girl? Who who teaches a girl how to respond to a guy? You hope that they grow and learn, but actually some people have gone, they don't, do they? Yeah. Until they get to a certain age yeah, they've got yeah, their own yeah. children. They're like, oh yeah. gosh, yeah. why did I treat people like that? You and know? No, I, think mm. you, I think you're spot on, but I feel like with something like that, be quite good for like community organisations to do those things mm. and facilitate those sort of conversations. Like, yeah. you know, someone external as opposed to maybe some of the teachers, because they can be quite rigid. And I think something like what you're saying isn't about rigid. It's about having those conversations yeah. and getting their opinions on yeah. things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But would you say you've always had leadership leadership skills? 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. From a young age. Very young. Yeah. And what do you think it takes to be a good leader? A, a level of high confidence um, in yourself, in your abilities, in what you um, understand, your knowledge, and, and what you put out to the world. I think it takes not really giving a damn about how people perceive you. And let me clarify that. Not that you're going to go around just, um, you know, misbehaving yourself and, and being irrational. But it's, if you put too much, um, what's the word, emphasis on what somebody else thinks of you, then you're constantly overthinking what you do, how you do it to meet somebody else's opinion of you. Uh, so as a result yeah. of that, I don't do that. So... Yeah. Sorry. That, of course. Because that, that's something I think I do myself. Yeah. Right. It's quite a hard quality. How do you get rid of that? Not caring. You know, you hear people say, I don't care what people think. Yeah. And you're probably one of those people. Yeah. Maybe. Or have you always yeah. been that sort of way? I really don't care what people think. Yeah, yeah. You've always well, been like that. I think it's good to, to, to kind of qualify and clarify yeah. that. So I would care if I upset you. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 and you yeah. explain to me what I did that I wasn't aware of. I would care about that. Because yeah, yeah, my intention wasn't to upset you. What I don't care about is somebody having an opinion of me, which is based on zero information about yeah. me. Uh, they might have seen or met me a couple of times or heard about me. Your opinion has nothing to do with me. That's your opinion. Mm. You keep it to yourself. It has nothing to do with my success or where I'm going or my journey, my visions. Do you think the majority of people think like that? I think we live in a world where the majority of people, maybe 70%, 8%, conform to reality. And reality, I think, is a place where people are fearful. They're very uh, um, conscious about what people think yeah, about them. Yeah. They're very nervous about not being accepted. So there's a level of fear, which means that people are constantly thinking about how they portray themselves to others because it does matter to them a lot. There's a lot of significance attached to that. But I think what that does, it holds you back. Yeah, I you overthink home. things and hold you back. That is something, the reason I'm asking yeah. you because it's something that I believe that I suffer from. Right. So people will see me and say, oh, yeah, but he's, you're confident. Like, you know me. Like, do you know what I mean? People might think, oh, he's really confident. But then I feel I care what people think about me. Yeah. And it's something I don't want to. 
like I'm not saying I care, but like you said, if yeah. I don't want to upset people, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a caring person yeah, yeah, in that yeah. respect. But I do care what people like, and it's people that are actually like you say irrelevant to you. They mm. make you once or twice, they don't really know anything about yeah. you. But they'll say, oh, he's this or he's like that. But then I feel like sometimes I'll overthink, mm. and it holds me back. And I think that the reason I'm asking you that is because yeah. I'm actually asking you that to how. I don't know, not to say this is a cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you get rid of something like that? Okay, let, let's, um, and obviously I need to cl- 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 uh, clarify and qualify oh, that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a counsellor <laughs> in terms of a, a therapist, I'm not yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I, I have done coaching, I have done mentoring. Yeah. Um, I listen to, well, I, I listen, I read a lot of books, mm. uh, try to gain a lot of knowledge about the self, about the universe, about, you know, what part we play in it and understanding our humanity. Mm. Because let's be honest, we're born, we're alive, and we then kind of adapt to this something called life. But no one really tells us, who, what's your part? What, what, are we, what are we here for? When I got to a place of recognising that actually my path in life is to give service, that's why I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who has the, the strength and the qualities, determination and desire to give service to the world. When I realise that, people's opinions of me don't matter. So I think it's important for us to recognize that when we say that, what we're actually saying is we care about people's negative opinions about us because the positives we love. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, we do care 100%. about that. We like that. It's, the, it's, the, it's the negative yeah. things that we say yeah. uh, that we shouldn't care about. And you're saying mm. you don't want people to say, oh, Charlie's this, Charlie's that, because you might believe oh, that's not who I am. And if they say that, why yeah. would they say that? Yeah. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is that what you need to recognize is that that's just another human being like you, equally as powerful than you, mm. has come here maybe for a different purpose, you know? Mm. Uh, why should you care about his negative feelings towards you? It's different if he controls your payroll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if he feeds you, yeah. if he looks after your kids or your mum. At that point, you yeah. have to care about his opinion because you yeah. depend on that person for yeah. a particular thing. Yeah. But if there's no attachment like that, yeah. what are you caring yeah. for? 100%. So I think it's about really analysing why we care. What is it in us? What emotional state uh, allows us to, uh, that makes us want to care about somebody else's opinion of, negative opinion on us? Yeah. And I think it's fair, isn't it? It's that desire to be liked by society, that desire to be wanted by any social group or any environment you go in. And I say, actually, they should care about whether I like them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, care about yeah. what I think yeah, of you. Yeah. You know, so that's how I flipped it. And, I, and we're, we're also talking about power. It's about power, isn't it? Power dynamics. If, so, if you don't um, consider someone to be powerful or have any, um, put, hold them in high regard, you won't care their, their opinion about you. It's when you feel that actually you're in a social group and you like this person, you think they're doing this great stuff, you want them to think highly of you, don't you? Or an equivalent yeah, kind of level. Yeah. So we, we, we need to break it down sometimes. When we say not caring about people's opinions, it's the negative opinions and the position that person is in, the yeah. position of power and whether they control us in any, any shape or form. Yeah, you understand. But then when you start analysing it and break it down, I bet you come to the conclusion that actually, why should I care? It doesn't control my payroll. It has nothing to do with looking after my kids or my mum or my family members. Um, I'm still achieving my goals and vision. I don't see that person ever again in my life. Why should I care? If you're in a social setting where you've got similar mutual friends, when you're there, you just don't, that person, as far as you're concerned, doesn't exist. Don't look at them. (laughs) And as soon as you start behaving like that, that person wants to befriend you because they felt it. And as soon as you don't care, people start respecting you. But people disrespect you when they can feel that you're, you're after their love. 
you're after their their kind of okay, you're after their um, opinions of you. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm okay. With you. <laughs> that was counseling one on one. Another three way does a bit of counseling. So, if you want to beat, I'll put it up at the end. All right, no, cool. So, all right, sorry, I made it about me. I'm telling you. Okay, so, yeah. so Catholic school, a bit mischievous at school, mm. but we're doing really well with your studies. Yeah. Next, where, where do we go okay. from there? Okay, so left school with some good grades, then went to university, studied a psychology degree. What did you do? So, all right, so you went college. What was you College, beg your pardon. College A levels, it yeah. was. Um, I believe it was sociology, government and politics, science in society. So three A levels. Okay. Uh, did that for um, two years A levels. Well, yes. Did, at that age, did you know what you wanted to be like in terms of a career? No, I was thinking, you know, being from a Nigerian parentage and knowing that I had I have a level of intellect and I do want to do something which is meaningful. I was thinking, you know, maybe a, um, a sociologist or or something. I wasn't too sure, but I knew it was going to be something. Summer of um, 1995, I left my mum's house, maybe April, May. Yeah, it's a spring, summer. Uh, we just, you know, I was growing up and we weren't really getting on. I just needed to be free. And I moved to my sister's house. So I was 15, 16. My sister was like 17, 18. She was 18 or 19. Yeah. So these two young people living together. But I still did my exams. Yeah, but you know what, you know, Rachel, like yes. to, Obviously, it's up to you what you want to answer. But... Of course. At that age, that's a big decision. And to say, like, we just wasn't getting on. It might yeah. take, take me to that time, like, why, why you felt like, no, I'm not living with this woman. I'm not living with my dad. Because you don't just, like, especially coming from, like you say, African parents, not, it's easy to just say at 16, I'm moving. Yeah, well, at that time, I wasn't speaking to my dad. I hadn't spoken to him for two years. Yeah. So he's, um, that, he wasn't, at the time, important for me to have a conversation with him about moving yeah. out. My mum so and I. You would just you'd be in the same house. Yeah. And you just wouldn't. Yeah. You just wouldn't talk yeah, to. Yeah. I'm not proud of that, but that's yeah. what happened. No, but it's life. You, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You got to. I think I think there is something about the way in which I grew up, which meant that there was this element of being extremely forward and thinking that you know more than your parents yeah. and and not appreciating yeah. <laughs> they're there to kind of love and care for you, yeah. um, and then you know being around uh, certain characters and, you know, outside this... Outside of home. Outside of the home. Just, yeah. you know, kind of like weird and big uh, bosses and all the rest of it. I brought that uh, to the home. Who's Do you understand? What, yeah, explain those characters to me because I don't... Big bosses, I don't know what that means. All right, that's... What that's they a, doing? Like, yeah. What, what so I, I think it's... Um, I'll have to make sure I explain it properly. I think it's... Um, it's certainly neg negative. It's... Um, thinking that you run the world, thinking that nobody can correct you, thinking that, you know, you're in this little group or gang and it's all about a group and gang and looking pretty and looking nice and being out there and being at the parties and having... They're older than you, your group. Most of them were. I was the youngest yeah, at the time. Yeah. You know, having a reputation and yeah. it was all about that. It was about this kind of glamorous lifestyle, you know, at a young age uh, with no money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you so know? would you say you had yeah. that... Uh, not, not a contradiction, but not, not saying a double life, but you've mm. got this persona, this perception of, well, you're out there being out of the parties, you're quite you're young, you're with older yeah, people. Yeah, You're living that life like a grown, independent adult, but really, you're a young girl that lives with your parents, do you know what I mean? Would yeah, you say yeah. Well, I think some of, my, some of my friends at the time, 15, oh, some of them were 17, they had moved out of their homes, actually, so they might have been living in hostels, whatever it might have been. Um, I wasn't living a double life because mm. that same 
attitude I had, mm. I would you present that home. in the home. So you could okay. understand the frustration yeah, yeah, of my yeah. mum and dad. Like, who yeah. does she think she is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This young baby, yeah, this young yeah. child of ours. So uh, as much as I say we weren't getting on, I think it was more about my bad behaviour, irrespective of the fact that, you know, I was doing well academically, my bad behaviour towards my parents led me to say, I can't, I can't cope because I'm, I'm, blame, I'm, project, I'm projecting my view, my things on them, but mm. actually I'm the one at fault. But at the time, you don't know that. You didn't know that. Of course, you're yeah. young. You just think it's your parents who are not cool and what they don't understand. What advice would you give to the younger you at this? So now, knowing what you know, what advice would you give to that young Rachel? I would say to the young Rachel um, that I slow down just a little bit. Assess your environment. Take time, slow down. Assess your environment. Assess the people that you're um, walking with and, and hanging with. Um, I would say to reflect on your behavior towards your parents um, and really to understand that, you know, when you've got two people who are bringing up children, the difficulties as it is, <laughs> mm. just making sure they've got clothes on their back and food in their belly, that's enough. Um, don't give them any headache, you know, slow down, chill out and understand that one day you will be an adult at that time. Yeah, at that age, yeah. you're the child and recognise the responsibilities of a child. Support your parents, yeah. The point I wanted to go on to, so you said you moved in with your sister, right? So you said Homerton. Is that Hackney? Homerton, That's Hackney. Ha- E9, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shouting at E9, E9. East side. So I know, like, roughly your age is, like, 70s, late 70s. So one of the things that I feel that a lot of people unless you knew it and you lived it at the time, was the environment. And what I mean by the environment, so at that age, what was the environment like? Because I think it's something that's not really spoke about, like, because mm. I know what it was like down in South, and I know it was mm. roughly the same in terms mm. of young kids, 16 years old, smoking crack, like, mm. it's a normal thing, mm. like, from certain environments, but like Peckham, Brixton, Hackney. Yeah. What was that environment like at the time? Like, the whole going out, people smoking crack, doing mm. certain things, mm. robberies going on and all mm. that. Was you ever, was you oblivious to that or was it something that you knew? Mm. Absolutely, I wasn't oblivious to it. Um, I think it's really important to say that that kind of um, pandemic of youth violence, youth crime, um, the robberies, the, 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 the drug addiction, the alcohol yeah. addiction, the sex addiction was prevalent in my time, yeah. as it probably is now. The difference with me and some of my peers or people that I hang with is that I never started smoking. Mm. I never took any drugs. Mm. I was so independent in my mind. So I had freedom of thought. You know, I knew what wasn't good for me. So I didn't embark on starting these habits to fit in. Because again, remember... Even though I was young, it wasn't about whether people's opinions of me mattered. So um, I was, I was almost in that environment, but not doing those things. When it got to maybe seventeen, eighteen, I'm in university. In eighteen, I'm in university now. I'm not around that environment. I meet a whole new crowd at university. Very academic, intelligent people. You know, going to pizza. Pizza Expressing or Hutton Stratford with our books and having some different conversations. They were empowering conversations. It was about how we're going to pass our exams, what we're going to do next, what's our plan in five years' time. Those conversations started to happen at 18. Did you ever, so within that time, did you ever go in and out of the two environments? Yeah, I mean, what I mean is, yeah. so you're having those conversations. Yeah. 
But then when you're back in the manor, it's conversations about, oh, yeah, this bank just got robbed. They've not have done that. They're on the run, whatever. So was you having those conversations as well or not really? I would say that um, my kind of close friends, uh, females, weren't in any kind of, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah, going yeah. to rob yeah, and steal yeah, clothes yeah, from yeah, Selfridges. Yeah, that yeah. was a thing females yeah, did yeah, back in the day. Yeah, we didn't yeah, do yeah. that. Um, we were slightly different because we had come from Manor House and there was a different energy in Manor House to what compared to maybe Clapton or Homerton and various other, Stoke Newington, for example. Um, yeah, am I still getting calls about certain things happening? I am, but they're from people who may have heard something. I wasn't having people come to my house who were doing yeah, these yeah, things because yeah, yeah, they weren't my mates yeah, like that. They weren't my mates yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it could have been someone yeah. they went to school with, for example, yeah, yeah, who had been involved. But when, yeah, they, by that time, yeah. they were in prison anyway. Yeah. You know, so I'm not seeing them. You know, everybody's in the young offenders institution anyway, ain't they? You know, yeah. so, uh, yeah. The reason I'm asking this stuff because I believe it's like, also like we're talking to an audience and different audiences and whatnot. Mm. It's about also understanding the environment that some of us have been associated with, even if we wasn't too deep into mm, it. Because mm. I don't think that it's given enough. Mm. People say, oh, it's like that nowadays. But honestly, I don't think it is like that in terms of 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds smoking crack, like in clubs, in jungle raves. I don't think it is like that. And I feel like whether you was a part of that or not, at certain ages, you would have seen that or mm. not saying you specifically, mm. but you would have seen that or known about that environment. Mm. So I'm asking because obviously we're from, I'm from South London. Mm. I know the same sort of stuff was mm. going on well, all over London. Let me put it this way, I'm very streetwise. I can go to any club, any shape or form and nobody's making me feel, no one's intimidating yeah, me. Yeah. So um, there are behaviours that I have that can adapt to certain situations. Yeah. When you're young, uh, when, certainly when I was in my uh, a teenager, someone smoking weed um, and drinking heavily, everything became normalised. And people still have those habits today. I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying it yeah, is what it is. Yeah. I don't think it is different now. I think it's quite similar. But we're not there. We're not, in, we're not, in, we're not young people. We're not in those, those groups. So think about it when we were 16, 17, 18, for example, our parents trying to decide what it's like for us they can only perceive yeah. they're not in it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that every generation has their own yeah, no, issues. And I can't imagine what young people are going through now. What we do know is the stats on robberies, is the stats on youth violence, is the stats on black and black crime. We know those stats. We stats on sexual assault. We know that things are happening yeah, with, with our youths, which need to be dealt with. But how people feel, who's involved in what, whether it's more or less or bad or worse than it was when we were young, I don't, I don't think it's fair for us to judge because I don't know. I really don't know. And I'm yeah. not in it. Yeah, no, you know? I think my, my point is more about, not the judgment, is I think it's uh, something that's not spoken about. When I think about when I was younger, I think like the pandemic mm. that I'm talking about, I don't think it's something that's really spoke about. I just think it's like, oh yeah, this used to happen, that used to happen. Mm. I don't think it's something that is really spoken about because I'm not even talking about weed. I'm talking about class, hard yeah. drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think like, when I speak to people that are not from where I'm from, like, seriously, at 16, at 17, and I'm like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So I think it's more that yeah. point. But, but remember, when we're, when we're that age back then, we're not, in, we're not really playing into the news or reading yeah. books or have knowledge. Yeah. So your whole perception about what's going on is different because you're involved in this situation mm -hmm. and, you, and you can't look outside yeah. of that bubble. Yeah, yeah, when you get exactly. to your age now, you can um, express it and analyse it and assess it and then mm -hmm. start comparing and... You're trying yeah. to relate things and yeah. stuff. Yeah.
Most definitely. You know? <laughs> Most definitely. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah. anyway, so you were saying, okay, so went to university, having different conversations. So, mm-hmm. at university now, is this when you're starting to decide, like, what career you want to go into? Um, I don't even think at that stage. No. I was doing a psychology degree. No, I did. I think I was thinking about becoming a psychologist. Hence, I was a psych- doing a psychology degree. But then, you know, graduated, didn't become a psychologist and went to work for the civil service, mm-hmm. you know. And that's where I think, uh, you know, 21, 22 in the civil service, that's where I think I really started to become the f- professional I've become today in terms of working to a very high level. Uh, you know, when I joined the civil service at 22, I couldn't write a letter as far yeah. as they're concerned. I thought I could, yeah. but you couldn't write a letter. That, that, what you presented was complete rubbish as far as they're concerned. So you start having to work to a very, very high level you know, in terms of being meticulous, um, doing things correctly, thinking through things correctly, organising yourself, organising your mind, organising your life, you know. And then what happens is you start bringing the professional uh, behaviours to your life behaviours, then people think there's something wrong with you <laughs> in, your, in your environment yeah. because you're just so yeah. orderly. Yeah. It becomes a frustration. Why so... Why is she so orderly? Well, why not? It's because they're not used to it. I like had your OCD. Exactly. Or, yeah. Well, you call it OCD, but it's just order. Yeah. You know, for example, the way you put my jacket down, no disrespect to you, like, it was just dumped down. I had to move it and fold it and place it down nicely. <laughs> it's, I'm, not, I'm not being, yeah, I'm just saying it's what yeah. it is. That's my coat. That's yeah. energy on me. Yeah. You handle that with care. Yeah, all right, you all with right. me? So well, I'm not criticising, I'm just saying, fine, I'm not yeah. criticising, I'm just saying yeah. like, that's who I am. I've so it, it also that. applies yeah. to how I prepare my food. Anything that's to do with me, you want to handle it. With love, mm. you know, so, um, and, I, and I relate to the professional world because the skills that I've learned is about doing things with honesty, with integrity, yeah. with dedication, with motivation, um, adding value to whatever you do, uh, knowing that that's my work. I'm going to be proud of that work. I'm going to showcase that work, you know, and then you bring all those behaviours into your everyday life. And some people that are not accustomed to that think you're, you're crazy, but then... Say that's the, so I can understand the positives of what you're saying, yes, taking yes, that care. And yes. would you say those are the negatives of that sometimes, how other people react to that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's almost, you know that, that saying where someone says, um, don't pull me down, you raise your standards to meet where I am? No, I don't know that saying. Uh, right, so it's for example now, uh, uh, maybe I haven't got... The, but if not, so something like, uh, something along the lines of make people rise up to where you're at. Don't... Reduce your standards. One of the questions I asked, so not digressing, is you're right, because you just said that. What have you got any favorite quotes? Do I have any favorite quotes? And if so, give me like. Oh, one the only one I've said it, I said it, I always say it. I say it, you know, people's opinion has nothing to do with me. People's that's my, yeah. other people's opinions has nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah I've, that's one of the quotes. Other than that, no, no. Yeah. What you would find also with me is that um, I know a lot of people like to read a lot of history books and stuff and. Um, and then regurgitate all the stuff that happened in history. And I say, well, why don't we become history? Why don't we create, create be the yeah. creatives? You know, so when you say quotes, I want to make quotes myself. I want to be the quote maker. Yeah. Don't take somebody else's all the time, yeah. you know. So, yeah. you no, know, that, it's just, no, it's that, not, you know, so somebody in this will be sometimes one day saying, oh, look what Rachel Nicosi said, yeah. you know, that day on the pod with um, Charlie. Yeah, you you know, said, yeah. You said um, about, you learned, I think you mentioned earlier about reading and you used to read quite a few books. Yeah. Um, you've got a favourite book, one or two favourite books? One is called Seth Speaks. Seth Speaks. Yeah. Um, this is um, about, it's about 
someone being channeling, you know, from another realm to it to this realm I feel like people look at me weird now no no no, no, no. no one's you weird. know so, so speaks and then um, another book um, gosh I've got to remember the name of the the author for this one but it's called The 4 Hour Week uh, gosh what's the name of the author can someone google 4 Hour Week Demas Tim Ferriss, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, Tim Ferriss. So, um, so yeah, for our weekend, he talks about the fact that you know, you you know, it is possible to to live an abundant life, uh, not using your time in the conventional way, and still becoming a champion in your craft and achieving your goals and visions. Is that something you've taken on with you? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, so it's just about work, working really, really smart. But you almost have to forget that every day what you what you've learned. You unlearn what you've learned to then embark on this new journey of what if this was all our reality? What if four weeks was our reality and we were still achieving everything? You know, and um, the various others. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Four Sixty Nature Reserve, a brand with a purpose. If posed with fruit, Four Sixty would be in the organic section. It's nutrition, not just food. Well, a question I want to ask. Tell me two things you like about yourself. I like that I am confident. I like that um, I continue to learn and grow um, and also look out for uh, where I need to improve myself. And so it's a continuous improvement, upskilling of myself and my behaviours and attitudes to the world, to my family, to my friends, etc. That's important to me. Um, I also like that I am a goal getter, that if I want to achieve something, then I go out and I get it and I don't consult anybody. Um, not that um, c- consultation cancel isn't good, yeah, but, but I when I say I don't consult, I'm not asking for someone's opinion as to whether I should do it or not. No, I've go already determined yeah, yeah. that I'm going to do it. Yeah. I might ask them what they think about yeah. the approach yeah. Yeah, yeah. to doing it. So I, I do like those two things about me. Um, it's, it's, it makes sense for me. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I and I want you to understand that when I say that, because I, I, it's not there's not there's no arrogance attached to it. Um, well, I hope there isn't anyway. It's more about you know, I, every day I wake up, I say today is going to be an amazing day. Today is going to be a fantastic day. I have to decide what my day's like. I have to start with that positive affirmation. We do live in this funny world. Like I, I, as you know, I obviously I know you're going to mention it, but I have my own vlog, and I, people come for interviews. But I get really nervous when um, somebody's come and they're ready for an interview and we're not ready because I'm like, damn, it's their time, it's their time, it's their time. Yeah, and yeah. my thing, I'm not paying them. I don't know what their hourly rate is at work. I'm paying you, though. You understand? You know, so I get really nervous about that. And yeah, I know I was, I was yeah, running late today. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I wasn't nervous. I was because nah. I don't, it's people's time. Yeah. So I, um, so the point I'm making that when it comes to being here as a human being, We've all accepted we're here as human beings. Whenever, did we ask to be here? That's a debatable and stuff. But while I am here, I want to do something which is meaningful to the, to the bigger world, to, to, to a large population, you know. Mm. So um, that's how I think about things that I do. Who, who is going to benefit? Who is it going to impact? Why do I do what I do? Why do I sit as a magistrate? Why, do, why am I a counsellor? Why have I run my vlog? There's a reasons behind it, you know, is to add to the, the positives of society in, in my world. So like you said about went into the civil service and then you just alluded to some of the things that you do. 
So, all right, you're working for the civil service, so now can you start telling us about right, okay. what are some of the things that you're currently doing, how you've got the... Fine, if I just quickly say the civil service, yeah. I worked with the Office of Fair Trading. There I was doing some consumer credit investigations, um, uh, mergers and investigations, competition um, investigations. That's all what's, to do with... What's that? That's all to do with, um, you know, um, so consumer credit, you know, when you get out alone and yeah, stuff okay. you know what you find is that a lot of businesses obviously have to be authorized by now the fca financial conduct authority prior to that it was the office of fair trading and the financial services authority they merged to become the financial conduct authority but so for example office of fair trading will regulate consu- anybody that wants to provide consumer credit a lot of businesses were as you remember like yes loans for example yeah. they would give people who were in debt these big loans and then pursue them for the debt knowing that they can't pay subprime consumers. Well, I worked a lot of that. Um, And then I moved to the Department for Business, Innovation and Skills, previously known as the Department for Trade and Industry, DTI. Now they're called BIS, I think, Department for Business, Energy, Industrial Strategy. But anyway, so I worked there. Um, I worked um, on investigations, investigating um, uh, people or directors who had been disqualified yeah. from running as a company director uh, due to some sort of fraud or criminality. How did you find that? Uh, it was good. It was yeah. interesting, yeah. But I'll tell you what it did. So then the, but they'll carry on trading and they'll go and get loads of credit out, you know, um, and defraud their creditors, for example. And then I moved into policy, advising ministers on consumer protection policy. So I spent a lot of time in my latter part in the civil service 2014 um, in the House of Commons and the House of Lords so I would be that kind of government official in a box. You said, did you say you was, you're a magistrate? I'm a magistrate, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I became a magistrate in 2013. I um, uh, wanted to contribute to my community. And my friend at the time spoke about that. I thought that would about be great. And, I, you know, again, you, I didn't know what a magistrate was. Yeah. I didn't know whether it was a, a full-time job or a paid job. Made the application, learned about it. It's, you know, we do two or three days. Um, in the courtroom, it's voluntary, but the idea is that magistrates come from the community they serve. That's the idea. Um, so yeah, you sit in a magistrate's court and you deal with all, all criminality. That that um, in terms of the punishment, it's six months custody or less. You understand? Yeah. So oh, things like driving offences, things like common assault, assault, um, some minor sexual assault. Um, you name it, anything which 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 would serve a custodian of less than six months will come to the magistrate's court. And, and that's something you actively do to this day. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I would sit at court, and uh, you're involved in some real serious issues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you see so much. You see, you see a lot of like when uh, families come with you know a, a domestic a- attacks and assaults. And you're like, oh my god, how could yeah. a brother do that to a sister or a husband to a wife? And you're just like, yeah. oh my god. And then you see people who um, you know they've got this really really high. Uh, senior job and they've been speeding and speeding and speeding and speeding like 10 or 15 times and then they come to court and they want to talk about the fact why their license is so important to them because of their job oh yeah. really exactly but you knew that yeah. um so i see a lot in the, in the courtroom but what i would say that i'm a very fair magistrate and you know um that's where your emotions come into it not that you use it unwisely but you have to try and you know, empathise with people's situations and sympathise and see how you could um, ensure justice is done, which doesn't take away someone's livelihood, you know, in terms of their jobs, 
um, and doesn't um, really impact their, their 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 family and things like that. So you see what you can do about them. There's 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 a, there's sentencing guidelines, but then there is a level of discretion that we could use to see how we we deal with people. Yeah. And so, because there's loads that you're unpacking there. So yeah. magistrate. You're a councillor? A local elected councillor in Lewisham, okay, yes. Explain that, explain that to me. Okay, so every every local area, or if, if we talk about London, so every London borough have um, a, a local authority. So here we're in Lambeth, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, you would have elected councillors on Lambeth Council. They're elected by the people who go to the polling station on the day of elections. So I'm elected in Lewisham, and I serve a ward called Bellingham in, in Lewisham. I was elected yeah. in May. 8th yeah. of May, yeah. but previously I was elected in 2014 and I served a four-year term to 2018. Stood down, done other things, and I came back obviously some months ago. So politics, so politician. Local politician. Local politician, magistrate. Yeah. And what else? There was something else that you said. Um, no, I mentioned on the sofa, didn't I? My vlog yeah, cast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and what would you, what would you, what, in terms of what, because that's obviously conversations, but what would you... What would be the role? What would be the, I don't know. what Because I don't know, what are, we, what, what are we doing? What am I, a podcaster? Or what, oh, right, okay. So I, I um, am somebody who is considered to be a portfolio holder. So in the professional world, and you might know, but a portfolio holder holds different portfolios. So one day I'm a magistrate, another day I'm doing counsellor stuff, another day I'm running my broadcast, another day I'm a non-exec sitting on victim supports uh, board. Mm. Um, you know, also, so I'm also a non-exec. I also sit on the Consumer Cats for Waters board as an independent board member. Um, so these are positions where you sit at the top of the organisation and the CEO supports to the board. So I ensure the um, strategic vision and financial direction of those organisations. That's my job with other board members. Thinking about that, it's quite, for me, it's quite apparent to see that you're a strong woman. Well, I don't even like saying that. You're a strong person, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think that's quite apparent. But how have you found that navigating... Specifically, as a black woman, how do you find that navigating within those environments? Mm. What I would presume, or maybe mm. not, is a male-dominated industries. How yeah. I um, would go back to the point I made earlier about being confident. And it's my confidence that has led me not to really think about the fact that I'm in a position where there's a lot of men um, and I might be the youngest in the room or the only black person in the room or the only female in the room. It really doesn't bother me because I don't feel disempowered by it because the power comes from me. So if I'm sitting around the room with all these, you know, 10 white men over 60, I don't feel inferior. Why should I? Give me a reason to. And I get that some people may feel awkward, mm. but my level of confidence and self high self-esteem means that I don't think like that. And often what you find in those scenarios is that they want to come to coffee and with me. <laughs> I want to see what Rachel's doing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. understand. Um, so I, I'm but not vulnerable in that way. And that's what it many, is. Like, to be honest, you can see from your experiences and you've always been, you seem like you're quite forward thinking and being, you've got your vision. Yeah. And this is the road. Like yeah, you said, I'm yeah, meticulous. Yeah. It's something that you've been. You might be one of one. There's probably not many women that are like you, or people, because it's not even just women, men as well that are in yeah. those positions. What advice would you be giving to them to like, how do you build up to get to this point? I would say um, it starts with the self, doesn't it? It starts with those kind of positive affirmations about who you are, assessing who you are, 
understanding your identity, understanding what you're doing here. You know, why are you here? And I think when you have those honest conversations with yourself and recognize, separate your strengths from your weaknesses, once you've done that, go through each weakness, you know, maybe a bit uncertain about myself, trying to identify why. Why is it? What's the root of that, you know, lack of uncertainty about the self? Um, I think it's just having that conversation, honest conversation with yourself first and foremost. Um, and you can obviously seek counsel as well. But the reason I say that is because, again, and we, we, we've kind of touched on some of this already. I think a lot of it is about fear and acceptance. It's about what somebody else thinks of me. It's about me not being able to achieve that goal. It's about me not being um, the person I'm talking about, me not being adequate enough, me not being a high impact, me not being a high performer. That, that can all change once you change the conversation in the conversation, isn't it? You know, once you start saying, I am a high performer, I am confident, I am the best in the room. I do have self-esteem. I can make loads of money. Once you tell you that, and that's your mantra, you start living like that. It's just a natural thing. You, you become who you, who you think you are. You know, if you, Charlie, now started to have this mantra about you being a billionaire in five years' time, I bet you in five years' time you're a billionaire, but you have to believe it to be true. Like, literally believe it to be true, where you just, you've seen it already. You've seen yourself on this yacht in Dubai on your old, you understand what I'm saying? So I think uh, we have to start with the self because society is full of uncertainty, fear from your friends, family, the world, the news, bad news, negativity, this, that trauma. How do you then say, I am going to navigate all of this and become this great person I want to be? So, <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you have a mentor yourself? Not at the moment. I've had many that were not at the moment, yeah. no. And do you think that, would you advise... Uh, young people, people with, with career aspirations, like yeah. get mentors. I would definitely advise to get a mentor. Um, I've had several, you know, growing up in my twenties, early thirties. Um, I'm at a stage where now I think I do more mentoring yeah. than I do being a mentee. Yeah. So a lot of my time goes out, you know, spent spent doing that and giving out words of advice and statements to kind of empower people, lift them up to kind of go out there and be the best. Right, so did you have any role models there fly flying about? There was something. I don't know yeah, what it was. Yeah. Like, um, a spider dangling. Nah. I wanted to get into my locks and start feeling at home. Some plants you got in there. You know, yeah. 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 So, do, you, do you, when you were younger, did you have any role models? And do you have any current role models? Role models? Do you know what? I, d- I don't think, I don't think I had any. Do you know what? And I'm lying. There is Lauren Hill. Um, you know, the, the musician, yeah, Lauren yeah, Hill. Yeah. I think she's one person who I would say, you know, when you listen to her uh, speak at certain events or conferences or whatever, and the things that she said about life, about reality, about finding the truth, about knowing yourself and, uh, you know, knowing your being and understanding who you are in this world, that is where I would say that's a role model-ish. It's those kind of things that I work with, isn't it? It's that ideology, you know. Um, so I would say that take it from yeah, the yeah. different things you've exactly. and you take from okay. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, oh, I think it's important to say Oprah oh, oh, Winfrey, um, she is somebody who I think talks a good uh, game. Um, she's done very well, obviously, as, as a, a chat show host, and she's probably going to be in competition with me very soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think she is, is, is good, and I think she's good to listen to. I think she's learned a lot of lessons. I think she doesn't care about showing vulnerability anymore. And one thing that she said, which is really good, and there's, um, I think she's doing a talk at a university um, and she's on the podium and stuff. And she says something like, you know, when pe- before people would say, 
look at her, look at her. She thinks she's this and that. She says, but good, because my cup poureth over. Oh, no, my cup poureth over. You understand? Yeah. She said, my cup poureth over. And yeah. why shouldn't I yeah. be that person? Who determines me not to be that person? So that, it always reminds me of when people say to me, like, uh, what, you think you can do that? And I'm like, yeah, what? It's not a debate. <laughs> yeah. I'm not debating my what I'm going to achieve with you yeah, yeah. because you have um, a low uh, self-esteem about how you, the things that you can achieve. You know, don't project that on me because I, I think that, um, oh, how, do, how do I say this without uh, being derogatory to anybody? I think when you can't see or feel or if you don't understand somebody else's vision you are going to think it's a bit balmy you're yeah. going to be like what who does she think she is and where does she think she's going with this you know um and on the self is a good example it's in its early stages at the moment we know you know got seven interviews out um the first six had sound quality issues um they're not the best sound, but I wanted to put them out because I did not want to waste those interviews. Yeah. Um, I had a launch party. I've got merchandise. Um, I'm talking to people in the corporate world about a contract in terms of interviewing their members of staff. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. So think about me going to the energy companies, utility companies, the financial services in companies, do you understand, organisations, and getting 50 grand from each of them to showcase, I don't know, 50 of their staff during a year. You know what I mean? You could, I could easily bag 200 grand yeah. for organisations. 50 grand for corporate social responsibility showcasing their staff is nothing to them. Are you, you understand? Yeah. So I think, one, um, people might think, it's only a podcast. So what are you having the launch party for? Yeah. They don't see my vision. Yeah, the, vision yeah. the launch party was off the chain and people were like, oh my God, Rachel, next time, yeah. still next week, same yeah, time, yeah, same yeah, place. Because yeah, yeah. it was so great and the energy was beautiful. People had a nice time. They went home with cups and merchandise and torches and key rings and on the sofa cakes, everything. And it was so nice, but there was a purpose. It was about launching something which is really close to my heart. The ethos of On The Sofa, empowerment, encouraging, winning. That's the ethos. You know, that's what we work with. That's why I interview people about the great work they do. So what you know? made you, so what made you, so this is something that you go through every day generally in life. What made you think, you know what, I really want to do On The Sofa. I think it's something that needs to happen. Because yeah. obviously there's a lot of podcasts out there just like we've got a podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you call yours a podcast because I remember... Mine's vlog. I call yeah. it vlog, yeah. V-L-O-G, oh, right, cool. vlog. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So what made you say, is it something you just thought, this is necessary? Yeah. During lockdown, so this was sometime in... Well, put it this way. I trademarked on the sofa April 2020. So it would have been in March. I'm now working from home and I've got a government contract. And I said, this is all great. This is all great. How do I use my power? to showcase people doing some great stuff in our communities. You know, we're having, we're having all this stuff about, you know, COVID having a disproportionate effect on people in the Bain communities. We heard about, obviously, the Black Lives Matter stuff and Joy Floyd. Floyd. I was like, how do I showcase people from the Bain community doing some great stuff? I said, I'm going to have a podcast. It was podcast. Yeah. And then I thought, what's it going to call? I thought... On the sofa, on my sofa. Literally, yeah. I remember pointing and saying to my friend, on the sofa there, yeah. oh, it's on the sofa. Yeah. And then trademark that within a week. And I literally, when I look back the other day, of the date that I sent the, the fraudulent form, I thought, oh my God, you just went and done it. 
Fast forward to now, I've got my trademark, I've got my logo, I've got a website, I've got merchandise. People have got cups in their house. Yeah. There's somebody on Instagram wearing my T-shirt. That's on their sofa I've got barbers that have my T-shirt that wear it on Saturday. Every time someone comes for an interview, they go home with a, a, some sort of merchandise sale, maybe a cup. Oh, I didn't bring one, did I? A cup or, or something. But I'm getting, because it's winter, I'm going to get some gloves and some woolly hats with on the sofa so you can take them home. So it's all free at the moment because I'm still building my brand. You know, I started with a thought and now I've got an Instagram page. I've got a Facebook group. I've got merchandise. I've got a logo. I've had a launch party and I've got seven interviews on YouTube and I've got eight more in edit. I've made it happen. It's now reality. It's a tangible thing. No one can argue with that. You know, I've got a beauty line coming out. You know, Rachel O on the sofa brings Rachel O. You know, this is some serious stuff. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because like, sometimes I remember like, me and Dee, we sat down and like, oh, the numbers aren't great on the YouTube and that. Mm. And then you see some people, you're watching other people, but it's like you can't watch them because mm. they might have like 10,000 views, 100,000 views. But then you get happy when, oh, we yeah. had 50. Now we've got 100. Now we've got 200. Mm. Now we've got 700. Mm. But then you yeah. start seeing it's affecting, it's affecting, impacting, not affecting, it's impacting Absolutely. the community. Yes. And that's why I feel like even for us, that's why we got this together. We said mm. like, this is what we do day in, day out. The conversations we're having, this is what we have in the office. I have them with Ava. Yeah. I have them with Demos. Mm. Like, we have them with other organisations. So mm. why don't we showcase that? Absolutely. Instead of, not instead of, but that's mm. our lane. Mm. Because I feel... A lot of times we can get lost in the whole glamour and glitz. Yeah. And this celebrity. Of course, of course. Yeah. This is very true. Them. This yeah. is very true, Charlie. But what I will say, and forgive me for this if you find it a slightly unfair question, this podcast is attached to your organisation. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing for your, what are your personal visions and where's you, your vision? You know what? Because this is my vision. So oh, this right, is, okay. Like, in terms of the organisation, obviously I'm a part of the organisation. Yeah. But this actual podcast is my vision. Do you get what I'm saying? So I have a certain role within the organisation. It's not yeah. like, oh, I've, they've said, go and do this. Yeah. I've sat down and said, you know what? This is what I find interesting and this right. is what I want to do. Yeah. And then the director said, go and run with that. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's where it goes from there. And for us, already like you said about knowing the vision, it's we now want to go into media. So it's not just about doing podcasts. This is the beginning that starts the conversation. Mm. Now it's going into documentaries, but doing documentaries that challenge policy. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? You spoke so, about that before, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. this is just the beginning. And mm. for us in community, it's all about conversation. Just like the conversation me and you had. Mm. And I said, oh, I don't want my daughter to go to, yeah. I don't want her to go to a school yeah. with these boys. Yeah. And we had that conversation, mm. but that bit of wisdom that you imparted on me, and you're not the only person that has. Yeah, yeah. Said, oh, you know what, mm. a few of them have said this now. Do you know what I mean? And it mm. sparks a thought. Mm. And then it can change a full process. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So these conversations that we're having are my vision. Okay. Where it leads is where it leads. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I've yeah, got yeah. that, but I'll keep that some of that to myself. But yeah, yeah so this that's what it is really. But something I wanted to touch on, like obviously politics, right? So I know, let, let me talk about myself. I know being, so I've been from where I'm from mm. and how I've grown up. Mm. I haven't had, I associate politicians as liars. In my mind, politicians, police. I don't, I have negative thoughts when I think about these, these establishments. Yeah. And I suppose a lot of people do. I can't mm. talk for but a lot of people do, especially what's happened over the last few years. 
And I would say maybe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I would say maybe people coming from the inner cities, coming from the Hackneys, coming from the Peckhams, the Brixtons, Tottenhams, I think many people sit down and think, oh, I want to be a politician. Mm. I want to be a local councillor. How was that for you? Like, obviously, coming from that environment and where do you think, I don't know, as politicians, mm. where do you think you guys can possibly do a bit, there's a couple of questions in it, possibly do a bit more to maybe change someone like me, my perception? Um, you mentioned just now me coming from a certain place and I realize I'm leaning back now, Eva. Yeah, you probably don't knew it was going to happen, didn't you? Yeah, you, you saying coming from a certain place almost suggests that actually, therefore, because I've come from a certain place, being a politician for me, no. If no, I, oh, not. I beg your pardon. Mm. So the point I'm making is that if I live in that community, I have every right to get involved in the governance of that community. It also belongs to me. We do, and we govern ourselves. That's the point. So like you say, look, we, for me, I do get involved in my community. Forget this work yeah. I do. But I govern, we govern ourselves in terms of something's happened in the area, it'll get sorted out between ourselves. I'm talking about trust. I'm not talking about, you're talking about actual like, politicians, legislation. I'm saying there's trust issues within these areas. Yeah. So right. how do you, yeah. if you don't trust it, it's, I think it's very easy to say like, oh, you get involved, but I don't trust. The, the point I'm making is that it's because you're saying there is them and us. I'm saying if there's them and us and you don't trust them, you get involved and you become the them. We become the powerful force. Because if not, what you get is a group of people saying, oh, I don't trust them because they're the ones with the power. They're the one that control things. I'm the person who's disempowered. I don't trust them. So what you do, you flip it around. I'm going to go into a position of trust, of, of power, and I'm going to get involved. So for example, on Lewisham as a local councillor, you know, you, you would see all of our committee meetings are online. So anybody can jump on a webcast and see the things I say. I advocate for the vulnerable communities all the time. It's my job to do that. A couple of examples. So there was one planning application where I believe, um, I don't want to, to quote me on this properly, but the gist of it were the property developer was changing hands um, and they were trying to ban the uh, activity of having like a nightclub or party. But I know in that particular area, previously, the parties that happened were predominantly organised by people from the black community. So by default, it was that, that those promoters can't come and have a party in these premises anymore. And we know there's been issues over the years where people from the black community are finding it hard to have venues to have a party, right? So I was advocating for that group because I'm part of that community, because I felt that actually, you know, by default, it's a bit discriminatory. Do you understand? Because we, we know the people that would predominantly book at that particular place. So, again, it's, if I wasn't there, there was no one that planned community was talking in that way. You understand? So it's almost like if you don't like who's serving in that shop, why don't you become a server? Why don't you get involved in it? Why don't you make a difference? You've, you, yeah? you're not the majority though. You say that you've had a path that you've led. Like we say, when we're going back through your history, yeah. you've always been on this path to yeah. come into this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's easy for you. No, I'm not saying it's easy because it definitely probably isn't easy. No, it's But not you easy. can adapt to that. Yeah. I'm saying for someone that is nothing like you, mm. if I see you, I'm not saying myself, but if I see you, then I can maybe possibly, if I'm from that community, can relate to you. Yeah. She, well, I know we're different, but yeah, I can relate to that. She can understand me. Yeah. The majority of people are not you. 
So therefore, majority there of are, what type of people? I'm talking, talking about the government. I'm talking about local. I'm talking about politicians. Yeah. The majority of people are not you. And like I'm saying, for a community that already doesn't have trust for that establishment, yeah, it's very okay. hard. I, I think I believe that the work you're doing changes things in yeah. terms of being able to see someone like you sitting across that table yeah. might make me think, you know what, I can get involved in politics. That's right, yeah. And you'll be extremely surprised with the people that are part of um, Lewisham East, Lewisham West and Lewisham Deptford Labour Party, Constituency Party, the amount of black people from the different communities are mm. part of them. They come to meetings, they're involved. Mm. Yeah. You wouldn't know because you don't sit on these meetings. Well, oh, I've, been, been, I've been, I've been, around here, I've been to quite a few of them. And what it seems are they? Like, but no, they're closed meetings. Unless you're a Labour member, you wouldn't no, go no, to them. No, no, I haven't been to those. That's the I've point I'm making. You yeah. know that like when you were saying the ones yeah. that open, and it, like, I've been to ones like literally five years down the line, and it's the community saying the same that, thing. That, that they might said. be a, a, a local assembly for residents. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about within the Labour Party and what the members look like. Mm. And this is very important, Charlie. And I'm going to slow down when I say this. And I said it to you in a car when we spoke. It's sometimes people don't have the knowledge, they have an idea of what things are like. So, therefore, you said just now, I'm not disrespecting you, you said to me, people who are not like you that won't understand. X, Y, and Z about politics. But I'm telling you that Labour members in Lewisham, a majority, a, 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 a minority of them, but still quite a number, are from the black community. Mm. You wouldn't know because you you're not in these meetings. But I'm talking about trust. And this is the point. Yeah. It, there, there's an onus. I'm not saying a new specific, but there's an onus on government. Yeah. And politicians. If the community don't trust you, okay. you're saying, oh, well, you know what? Go and change that. Yeah. I understand that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a trust issue there. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go and change it. But you know what? No one there looks like you're saying there are. Yeah. So I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah. The majority of people that I see, yeah. this isn't, when I look, when I see politicians, yeah. when I see yeah. the TV, yeah. when I see what's represented, yeah. I don't see myself. I, so there is a trust issue. I know what's happening in my area. So there's a trust issue. So that's where you get the perception that I may have, yeah. whether it be wrong or right. It comes from somewhere. Okay. Do you know what I mean? When okay. I, like I said to you when we were talking in the car. Yeah. When I grew up, for bad or good, mm. like, I used to see, and I know you said, because we had this conversation, mm. but I used to see politicians. Mm. I generally, Labour's headquarters was in Moore Road. I used to see them. I don't see them now. And I know you said, oh, no, but they do. But I'm just saying, so why don't I see them? Like, I don't know, do you see them? See? And that's what I'm saying. And I know it's not just me. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I know from your point, you're in politics. So you know what you see. You know the strides. You've seen the difference. Mm. But I'm saying for the layman. Mm. Mm. And let me, I, I don't think I've responded by touching on the trust issue. And I think that there is a thing. Of course, we know that, uh, you know, this uh, politicians can't be trusted. They're all liars and all the rest of it, politicking. Um, but within that, there are individuals who are very trustworthy. And I, mm. I don't, don't think it's fair to tarnish one person with, What's that the brush? What's that yeah. saying? Yeah, that I saying? know what you mean. I don't tarnish, tarnish them all with the same brush. brush. Or there, yeah. there we go. Tarnish them all with yeah. the same brush. Yeah. Um, but you know, one we've got the government who are the Tory party. Yeah. That's one thing. Where the, the Labour Party also doesn't trust them. Then you've got the, the Labour Party, the shadow kind of uh, mm. party in in lo locally and in the House of Commons. Uh, again, people say I don't trust politicians at all. I think there is a trust issue. I think it's absolutely. Um, um, proper and right and imperative that you know we try to build that trust what yeah. I can only do is speak about what happens in Lewisham we have you know community meetings I'm very open with my constituents I you know have 
Uh, you see committee meetings now all online. You can see what yeah, we're saying. We're yeah, invited yeah. to these meetings. Yeah. Um, you want to you ensure, I want to ensure that as a local elected councillor, I'm doing my best for my constituents. And sometimes you just got to be honest and truthful. You, you have to be extremely honest and truthful with what you can't do as well. And they don't always like that, but at least I know I haven't told them lies or kind of, you know, hid the truth from them. So I play my part and try and make a difference where I can. Are you with me? Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I can't do everybody's job. I'm not the, yeah. not Keir Starmer, not the leader of the Labour Party. But one thing I would say on this pod is to, to say that for anybody from the BAME community who feels mm-hmm. that politics isn't for them, uh, you know, get involved and see what it's like. Start, or start a community activist group, start a campaign group, you know, add value where you can. Don't think that the governance isn't for yeah. you because we, we're all a stakeholder in this world. We all, we all have something to offer this world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. So going on from that, taking into account everything we just said and everything that's happening now, if you could be an animal, any animal, what would you be and why would you be that animal? I would probably be a panther because panthers are, um, if I'm right, very, very fast, athletic, and they're strong and they don't take back no talk. (laughs) They are very intelligent, um, but they're also reasonable. And they're quite calm in their nature unless, you know, they're approached and somebody tries to trouble them. So probably a panther. Yeah. And on that note, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been a great interview. Thanks for coming down, Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.